This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. I have great news for you today, and that is... Not that it really affects your life, but we are completely flu-free at our house. Flu-free, flu-free, fever-free, and all three kids went back to school today for the first time. So it's pretty exciting. We, I mean, it was nice. How do I say this? Because that sounds bad if I'm like, we're so excited because all the kids (laughs) went back to school. We are. It was... (laughs) Okay, let's be honest. No, we're more so excited that they're feeling so much better because they were so sick. And it took a lot out of them. It did. It was, we were home for seven entire days. I went nowhere. Right. No one came to our house. It was so weird because that never happens. I cannot remember the last time. I mean, has that ever happened in my life? Maybe. One time when I was a little girl and was super sick or something. I don't know. That well, that never happens. Well, for me, I think one of the more difficult things about the process was, one, that it was all three of them, but two, trying to keep them away from you so that we didn't get it as well. And now that they're all better, it's kind of a weight off my shoulders on that. I think that was, for me, the hardest thing was them all being sick and me not being able to help them. Mm-hmm. I literally was FaceTiming them and texting them because you had quarantined me. Mm-hmm. Although we did, I did give in after a few nights. Catherine was really, really sick. And so we moved her mattress into our room. And I was just sort of like, you know what? If I get the flu, I get the flu. I've, 
I've got to have my daughter close to me because I was worried that she was going to be really, really sick in the night because her fever kept spiking mm-hmm. up. It and, hit her harder than the other two. Yeah. And I think because she's older, I think a higher fever when you're older is just is just harder or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe that's just my theory. But it seems like when kids are a little bit younger, they can deal with a higher fever. Whereas as you get older, it just racks your body. So anyway, we're very grateful that they are doing better. And today we're going to be talking about how to fall in love with your life again. And this is inspired by this book that I'm reading by John Eldridge called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. And I wanted to share this on Instagram stories. I'm the Money Saving Mom on Instagram. If you do not follow me there, I'd love for you to follow me. I'm very active on Instagram stories. But I was going to share, and then I realized I can't do this in four slides or less. There's so much that I want to share about this. And Jesse and I had had some really great conversations around this topic and some of the stuff that he talks about in the book. And so we're going to just dive into that topic later in the show. But also, surprise, surprise, we actually have the honor of having John Eldridge on the podcast. The plan is next week he is coming to do an interview an in-studio interview. And so we should have that for next week's podcast. So this will give you a little teaser to get excited about what he's going to share next week. But before we get to that, Jesse, I need to tell you a little update on Thin Mints because last week you were eating Thin Mints while we were recording the podcast, not actually while you were talking, but you had... Just about. You... Just about. You had the sleeve there of Thin Mints, and it was very cruel because I cannot eat Thin Mints right now. Um, I got two boxes, and we had to throw one sleeve away because one, one child got into it while they were sick. And I said, you I can't the, have uh, that. I ate the other sleeve. We, we need to explain that. Just a second. Just okay, a second. Okay. And you talk about cruel. I cannot find the other box. Oh, I know where it is. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. (laughs) By the way, the reason we threw out the sleeve of Thin Mints, which is just a travesty, but one of our children who really likes chocolate and was really missing chocolate and was somewhat feeling better, found the Thin Mints and got into them. And I said, you can't have those when you're sick, honey. Sugar is the worst thing for you to be having. But by then they had kind of like touched all over the package. Mm -hmm. And I was like... Now it's flu-infested Thin Mints, so we have to throw them out. So we did. But someone wrote in last week and let me know that you can put Thin Mints in the freezer. And they keep for a few months in the freezer. So guess what? Wait, wait, wait. Why would you want to do that? Because I can't eat them right now. And it's not fair that you got two boxes and ate most of one box in front of me because they give me terrible acid reflux and it's not worth it. And, and, and it's not. I mean, I could the, eat them, the but acid it would reflux just not doesn't be worth go it. away after the baby's born. Oh, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> Trust me. I have a laundry list of food that I am looking forward to eating. But actually, I didn't put them in the freezer. They are up at the top of the pantry in my, quote, secret stash. So I probably shouldn't have told you that. But thank you to the person who wrote in and let us know about being able to freeze Thin Mints. That was 
that just might be saving so, my life. So if you freeze thin mints, do they become thick mints then? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm really hoping, you know, because I will probably have gained 30 pounds by the end of this pregnancy because I usually always gain 30 pounds. And so I'm really excited because thin mints are going to be the best thing for me to be eating after I have this baby and I'm losing the baby weight because mm-hmm. I'm all about, you know, it's like if I can eat thin mints, calories if I can, no, if I can eat thin mints and get thinner, then that's going to be really great. Yeah. So I'm excited to test out the theory of, will they make me thinner or not? <laughs> I, and I, it might, I don't know how many boxes I'm going to have to go through before I'm going to decide whether oh, yeah, yeah. it works yeah. or not. You're so going to do you, like a, an, an AB comparison. Yeah, like if I eat two boxes a week, will that make me lose weight faster? Or is it three boxes? Like what mm-hmm. is the level of what's, eating Thin Mints that makes optimum? you thin? Yep. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll, I guess I'll need to report back on that. So speaking of the kids being sick, there was something that you purchased while they were sick that was really saved our life last week, Jesse. Yes, definitely. And, and I'm known to go on spending sprees whenever kids are sick or whenever anybody's sick to try to help make them feel better. Anyway. I, I'm sorry. You're known to go on spending sprees. We can just stop there. We don't need to say when the kids are sick. I mean, that happens when the kids are sick, yes, but, yeah. but no, I'm just it's more so about Walgreens. You so. are the, you are the spender and I'm the saver, but mm-hmm. for the longest time, it was very frustrating to me until I realized that when you go to Walgreens when people are sick and you bring home this bag full of juice and crackers and some new whatever natural remedy and Tylenol and Motrin and this item that you purchased, Mm -hmm. that is actually your way of showing love. And that is you wanting to show love in a very practical way. And when I see it like that, then I don't, I just don't see the receipt. I just... (laughs) Pretend like it doesn't exist and pretend like you used a gift card and got it all for free. And then I can just be like, mm-hmm. you love us so well. But anyway, you purchased something. I bought a brawn ear thermometer and that is actually a lifesaver because when kids are sleeping, it makes it so much easier to check their temperatures. And it worked really, really, it really well. Did. Because you would go around at night and check all their temperatures because they kept spiking up. Mm-hmm. And so it was great for us to know, okay, they're okay. Okay, we can. We don't have to wake them up and give them medicine. They're going to be okay for a few hours. And so highly, highly recommended. It worked really well. Yeah, when a long time ago when the kids were little, we bought a temporal thermometer to use on their foreheads, and I could never get it to work right. Mm-hmm. And it was just really frustrating. So this was a lifesaver. The other thing about it is if you're doing an oral thermometer, you always have to make sure that you haven't eaten or drink mm-hmm. and drank, drank anything. I said drink, eaten or drank anything for 15 minutes or something. So you're going to get an accurate reading. Well, it was hard because with the kids, we were trying to just push the fluids, mm-hmm. push the fluids. And so you hated to be like, well, you got to stop drinking for a while so we can take your temperature. So this was great because we didn't have to worry about that when yep. it was in their ear. What's saving my life this week is something that has been a huge help to me for months and months and months, and that is my Fitbit. I've actually purchased it at the beginning of 2019. I have the Fitbit Ulta HR. You could just get the Fitbit Ulta. I don't think you actually need, I personally don't feel like the HR is doing anything. You don't check your heart rate. I don't really check my heart rate. I mean, I guess if you needed to or something, but I love it. Because 
it motivates me to be a lot more active. And I noticed around the time that I purchased it, it was, I was just noticing that I was sitting a lot more and being very sedentary. As a blogger, you spend a lot of time on the computer, you're sitting and you can just go through a day. I mean, at least I could. And I would only get in maybe like 3,000, 4,000 steps, Mm. which is just not very active. So once I purchased it, I have this competitive nature that was like, I got to hit the goal. And so it really challenges me to look for ways to just be more active. For instance, if I am somewhere and I can choose to take the stairs versus the elevator, I'm going to take the stairs. If I can park far away so that I have to walk more to get to you know, the store that I'm going into, I'm going to do that just so I can get more steps in. And it just motivates me to take a little bit better care of myself. I mostly just use it for the step tracker on it. But one other feature of it that I really love is that I can also connect it with my phone so I get text on it which might seem weird to some people, but I love the fact that I don't have to then be tethered to my phone, but I can get the text on there and you just see a tiny little bit of the text. So you have an idea, for instance, if the kids needed to get a hold of me or something Mm -hmm. like that, it's right on my wrist. So it's going to buzz. I don't get that many texts. So if you got a lot of text, it could be a problem. But for me, most of my texts are just from family, really close friends or the kids. And or obviously you text me sometimes, mm-hmm. although we spend a lot of time together, so we don't we don't I, need to text as much. But I like that because I'm somewhere and I might not have my phone because mm-hmm. a lot of times I stay pretty untethered from my phone and I will just leave my phone and not think about it and not check it. And so if somebody needs to get a hold of me, I get phone calls and text on there as well. But you can't respond to them. So it's kind of nice that you can get the notification. And if it's something you really need to take care of, you can, but otherwise it's not really uh, like, it's not inhibiting your life or becoming a big distraction. Yeah. And it's nice that it's like the first line of the text. Anyway, it's not the whole text. If somebody sends you a book, it's not going to keep on scrolling because it scrolls vertically. Right. Right. And so you can just see, oh, it's from so-and-so, you know, so it's like, oh, it's Catherine. She's needing me to call her or something. So, Mm -hmm. so that's a thing that I never thought of when I purchased it, but I really love it because it not only helps me to be able to be untethered from my phone, but still get emergency notifications if if there is some type of emergency or somebody really needs to get a hold of me, but then also just encouraging me to take better care of myself. And you can also track a lot of other things on there. I mostly just do it for steps. And I think this pregnancy, I've been a lot more active Mm -hmm. just because of wearing the Fitbit. So again, that was the Fitbit Ulta HR, and we will link to that in the show notes along with the ear thermometer. The book that I wanted to talk about this week is Eat That Frog. And this is a book that I actually read. I may have read it more than once. It's an oldie, but goodie. I read it years ago. I don't even know if we were married yet. I possibly, but I think I might've read it in my teens. Really? Maybe I read it again after we got married. Well, I know you read it when we were married. It's been years and years. And I found it on the Libby app, which is a free app that you can download audiobooks through your library. And I just saw it and I was like, oh, I have not read that in forever. I'm going to listen to it. So I downloaded it. It's Eat That Frog, 21 Great Ways to Stop Procrastinating and Get More Done in Less Time by Brian Tracy. And it was fascinating to listen to it after years of not Mm -hmm. having read it. And what I realized is that 
many of the things and the principles that he talks about in the book were things that I incorporated in my life a long time ago that I had no idea came from that book. Mm -hmm. And they've just become habits. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I do without even thinking. And it, so it was really encouraging to me. And two of the things that I just wanted to share, one was making a time block to-do list. And that's something that I do religiously every single day, writing out my to-do list with times and obviously adding in breathing room and all of that. But that just really helps me to stay on track, especially with my work time. But then secondly, he talks, obviously the eat that frog is talking about doing the hardest thing first. And it's based upon a quote where it's like, I don't know who the quote is by. Now I'm trying to remember it. It's slipping my mind, but it's the concept of if you start your day by eating a frog, your day really can't get any worse than that. <laughs> and how so often we put off the hardest thing until the end, we procrastinate on that and then it hangs over our head all day. And a lot of times our frogs really don't take that much time. So one way that I have been implementing this in my life without even recognizing that it was something really from this book, although I could have probably pointed back to that just because of the book's title, but is doing the hardest thing first or the thing that I would naturally procrastinate or that requires a lot of effort. So for me right now, that's working on my book. And while I'm loving writing my book and getting so much life from it, at the same time, it's one of those things that it could easily be pushed. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like exercise. You know, I have to do it first thing in the morning. If I don't get on the treadmill mm -hmm. very early after I get up, it's just probably not going to happen. So with my book writing, it's the same thing. And so putting those things early, early on in the day. So then it's like, you know, if I don't get that much done the rest of the day. I have finished the most important work. So it was just encouraging to me to listen to it again and realize, wow, this book really impacted my life and the things that I do every day. And I had no idea. So that's Eat That Frog, 21 Great Ways to Stop Procrastinating and Get More Done in Less Time by Brian Tracy. And we will link to that in the show notes. So let's talk about falling in love with your life or falling back in love with your life. I talk to so many people who are exhausted. They're stressed out. They feel so overwhelmed by their life and kind of just asking questions like, what's even the point? Why am I working so hard to feel like I'm not really making any traction and I'm not really enjoying or loving my life? but I don't know what to do about it. So this book by John Eldridge, Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. I have not finished the book. I'm about halfway through it. It's been really good so far. But in the introduction, he talks about my soul just can't do life at the speed of smartphones. And he talks about how we live in such a hurried and harried culture where we're just so used to being bombarded with messaging all day long. Like I talked about, you know, the text messaging or we get online and there are so many different marketing messages and you can get sucked into watching all these videos and you can get totally distracted and go down so many rabbit trails and we can just be bombarded with all of this. And then there's just the pace of life, which I feel like we're just so surrounded much of the time with people who are living at a very harried and hurried pace. Mm -hmm. Jesse, would you say that's an accurate Definitely. statement? 
that it's almost like busyness is a badge of honor. Like your worth is in your productivity, but in order to be someone, you want to make sure that you've got a lot going on in your life. Like that signifies your value. Would you say that's an accurate statement that Um, we can fall into that trap? Maybe in some cases. I think also in other cases, it's hurriedness is the default. Yeah. And so he just, he talks about slowing down and the one minute pause and some different things that I am just loving reading about. But what I wanted to share was these questions that he asked at the very beginning, talking about how your soul is looking for something. Like you're feeling like there's more to life than just being busy. And he said, how would you score your soul these days? And he asked these questions that Jesse and I talked about the other day and just had this really great discussion. Mm -hmm. So I want to read these questions. Are you happy most of the time? And there's different definitions for happy, but just whatever comes to your mind when you think of that. Are you happy most of the time? How often do you feel lighthearted? I think it's really easy to kind of give into the media messaging, Mm -hmm. which is constantly kind of giving gloom and doom. The world is coming to an end, worst case scenario, and you can feel like the world is falling apart. Mm -hmm. And that can really suck your joy and your lightheartedness. And it can also come from a lot of other places too. But how often do you feel lighthearted? Do you really have that spring in your step and you don't feel like you're just carrying around these heavy, heavy burdens? Another question, are you excited about your future? Do you feel deeply loved? And when was the last time you felt carefree? And the reason that I wanted to read these to you is because I was so encouraged by reading them, which might sound interesting because some of you maybe listened to those questions and you felt discouraged. You felt like, I don't know when the last time was that I felt lighthearted or carefree, or I can't really think of anything that I'm excited about for the future, or I don't feel happy most of the time. The reason that it encouraged me was because I have recently been going through years of Instagram post because I'm working on this book and there were some different things that I'd written on Instagram that I wanted to go back and refer to as I'm sharing kind of some of my parenting journey in this book. And I noticed a trend about five, even four years ago in my Instagram post that was pretty shocking to me. And that was, I was constantly talking about being overwhelmed and exhausted. And I could go back to that time in my life and just remember for years of my life, I just kind of carried around this heavy weight and these heavy burdens of just life. And life just felt exhausting and overwhelming. Jesse, do you remember kind of that season of life for me? Mm Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, you could say, well, okay, you had three children in four and a half years. Of course, that would be exhausting. And yes, I I absolutely agree. And at the same time, we had a lot of different traumatic things happen in our life during, you know, moves and job loss and financial struggles and marriage struggles and postpartum depression, throwing all that in the mix. Of course, it's going to cause you to feel exhausted. 
But it wasn't just that season. It was many, you know, years later when the kids were old enough that they weren't waking up in the night. Mm -hmm. I was getting enough. I mean, I should have been able to get enough sleep. I was really driving myself though, feeling like I needed to do more and more and more. And it was just encouraging to me to realize that the changes that I've made in the last few years of slowing down, of recognizing the lies that I was believing of not being enough and that my worth was not in my work and really resting in how much I am loved by God, how much that has changed my entire perspective on life. And so Jesse, we were talking about this and, you know, both of us, I think we both felt like there's a lot of times where we feel happy. Yeah. I I think that, you know, I'm just saying hurriedness is the default. I think that being heavy hearted is a default as well. Mm. And, you know, you say, when was the last time you were lighthearted? That's so antithetical to what is in culture right now. You know, just the norm. It's not lightheartedness. Yeah. It's being stressed out, overworked, overwhelmed. It's as far from lighthearted as you can get. And, you know, this is not to negate that there are really hard things in life. I think right before I we started recording, I got a message from one of my friends who was just going through a really, really hard time. And I can sit with her and I can love on her, but I can also hold the tension of joy and sorrow. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is something that has really helped me to fall in love with my life right where I'm at, because I can be sad that recently one of my dear friends passed away from cancer and I can sit at her funeral and I can weep for the loss for her husband, for her kids for what she meant to me. But at the same time, I don't have to let that become all consuming. Mm -hmm. I can also look around and see the beauty and be grateful for the fact that I got to know her, that she impacted my life so much, that she brought so much joy to my life. And one of the things that was just her kind of the way that she lived her life was always looking for the positive, Mm -hmm. like we talked about in the last episode. And it was always finding the funny. And she always had a funny story. She always had so much pep in her step. Even when she was miserably sick, she would show up fully and just be the life of the party. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there at her funeral, you know, sad, but at the same time, so grateful for her life. Mm -hmm. And I think so this is for me is holding the tension of the joy and sorrow in both hands. And I feel like it used to be that the sorrow and sadness and heaviness and darkness just would overshadow me so that I couldn't feel that lightheartedness. And part of that too is because you tend to bear the weight of other people's burdens on your Mm -hmm. shoulders. So uh, you're talking about your response to somebody else's struggles, but can you be lighthearted in the midst of going through the struggles yourself? I think for me, the biggest thing has been recognizing that I, it's not my job to fix Mm -hmm. and carry everyone. And for the longest time, when someone would share that they were going through this really hard time, I would feel like, I got to carry this for them. Mm -hmm. Like that is compassion. That's being a good friend to someone. 
Now, sitting with someone, loving on them, being with them Mm -hmm. is one thing, but it's not my job to carry their burdens for them. Right. Because those aren't my burdens. I have my own burdens and God has given me grace for my burdens. He Mm -hmm. hasn't given me grace to carry someone else's burdens. Right. And we can take all the world on our shoulders. We can listen to the news media and feel like there are so many bad things happening and we just can't see the beauty because all we see is the negativity. And and also, you know, you're saying other people's burdens, but also God doesn't give you the grace to bear burdens that you may be bearing in the future, mm-hmm. bearing those in anticipation, mm-hmm. worrying, being stressed out about something that may happen in the future. What, what, what 99% of the things that we worry about don't ever happen, but you will be amazed at how well you bear those burdens when you're going through it and in the midst of the trial, but before the trial, then in, in anticipation, it's a lot of times overwhelming. And I think that you can be lighthearted when you go through those times of struggle based upon how you respond to them and how you look at the positive, like what you're talking about, this, how this woman approached life. It's always looking at the positive. Don't get dragged down to look at the, at the negative. Well, and I think one of the things that I took away from her funeral was this, her husband, he got up and shared. He was so brave to get up and share after losing his wife. But he said, it was so profound. I realized that the last three years when she had cancer, I spent so much time focused on the busyness and the activities of life. And I was constantly just focused on what we needed to do and get done. And he said, the last two weeks, I spent so much time just sitting with her and holding her hand and saying, I love you. And he said, I sat there and I thought, why didn't I do this the last three years? And then he said this, the to-dos and the activities and the busyness is still here, but she isn't. And I thought it was really profound. And that might seem like kind of a heavy thing for me to share when we're talking about being lighthearted, but I I think it changes your perspective because Mm -hmm. I think we can get so focused on everything that needs to be done and we're missing the most important things right in front of us. And so my challenge to you today is to just stop and breathe and notice the beauty around you. And when you're feeling that heaviness coming on, think, is this mine to carry? I love the scripture that talks about casting your burdens on the Lord and recognizing that, you know, if you are a Christian, he is there to carry them with you. He doesn't want you to try to carry this heavy load all by yourself. So take time to stop, to breathe, to pause, to notice the beauty, to ask yourself those questions of, is this mine? to bear? What do I need to let go of? And then really allow yourself to celebrate the wonderful things in your life, to really be grateful for the beauty, to find the funny in life, and to show up with that joy that my friend Cindy had. You know, no matter what is going on in your life, you can always find something 
to laugh about, to be grateful for, and to really celebrate. So that's my challenge to you today. And next week, I'm really excited to talk to John Eldridge about how to get your life back and to dig more into some of these practices that he has put in order to live a life that allows you the space to breathe, to celebrate, and to really fully love your life. As always, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, if you have any further feedback or suggestions about how to freeze Thin Mints or great tips like that, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. You can send them to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.